0: box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to also remind you that we do have our Great Detectives of Old Time Radio t-shirts. We've got four different designs, and you can pick them up at t-shirt.greatdetectives.net in a wide variety of styles, including pullover hoodies and our women's slim fit tees. That is at t-shirt.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar Serial. We'll be bringing you Episodes 4 and 5 of the Imperfect Alibi Matter from September the 20th and September the 21st, 1956. Let's go ahead and take a listen.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now
2: for... Johnny Dollar. Joe Rostelli at Homicide, returning your call, Johnny. I've uncovered a couple of items on the Harvey Stone killing, Joe. Good, let's have them. Remember Alvin Gentry... Frank, who made the fake confession in my office yesterday? Yeah, what about him? Looks like he's not a psycho after all. What do you mean? I just found out he's a friend of Helen Barrett's. Well, what do you know?
1: Could be he was doing it to shield her. That sure doesn't look good for her, Johnny.
2: Yeah, I gotta admit, my hunch about her innocence just took a nosedive. I also learned that Harvey's secretary, Martha Winters, used to be his girlfriend. Yeah, I'm up to date on that one. Matter of fact,
1: Martha's in my office right now.
2: Oh? Says she wants to make a statement. You want to hear it? You bet I do.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed
2: adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the home office, Northeast Indemnity Associates, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the imperfect alibi matter, location, New York City. Expense account continued. Item 10, a $1.40 cab from my hotel to police headquarters. Martha Winters, secretary to the murdered man, Harvey Stone, was in Lieutenant Joe Restelli's office. She was a blonde. And again, I had to admire the dead man's taste. He could really pick them.
1: Miss Winters, would you mind telling Mr. Dollar here what you've
2: just told me?
3: No, not at all, Lieutenant. You see, Mr. Dollar, I have a small apartment in the same building as Mr. Stone's apartment.
2: On East 57th?
3: Yes. Uh, Harvey, as is, Mr. Stone, transacted most of the business at his apartment rather than the office when he was in town. That's mainly why he kept the apartment. And we felt it would be more convenient for me to be nearby. I see. Well, the night before last... The
2: night of the murder...
3: Yes. I'd been out to a show. I got home about 11.30. Go on. I saw Helen Barrett walking toward Mr. Stone's apartment.
2: What? You sure about the time?
3: Well, not right down to the second, of course, but I am positive it was within five minutes of 11.30.
2: I see. Well, why did you wait until this morning to tell us this? Well, I... Come on, let's have it, Miss Winters.
3: Well, naturally, no one likes to get mixed up in things like this, and... I didn't want to make trouble for anybody. Helen Barrett always seemed like a a nice person. But Mr. Stone was my employer and my friend. And after thinking it over, I, I could see what my duty was.
2: You say Harvey Stone was your friend. Was he anything more than that?
3: I don't think I know what you mean, Mr. Dollar.
2: I think you do. I understand that at one time, you and Harvey were planning to be married.
3: That's true. That's all in the past. Oh? Yes. We decided mutually that it was a mistake. We've been friends ever since, but nothing more than that.
2: I see. Well,
1: heard enough, Johnny? Yeah. Okay, Miss Winters, that'll be all. Thanks for coming in. We'll get in touch with you again if we need any further information. All right.
3: Anytime, Lieutenant.
1: Well, Johnny... According to Martha Winter's statement, Helen Barrett was in Harvey's apartment at the approximate time of the murder. We know it was somewhere between 11.30 and midnight.
2: Helen said she left Harvey's apartment around 11 to go home and pack. They were going to elope. When he didn't come for her, she got worried. She went back to his apartment around midnight, found him dead.
1: But that story won't hold water if Martha's telling the truth. Yeah. If. You don't sound
2: convinced. Are you, Joe? Joe.
1: Uh, I don't know, Johnny. I don't know. It's a pretty nauseating shortage of
2: facts in this case. Nauseating's the word for it, all right. I mean literally.
1: When I get one like this, my stomach starts acting up. Joe, what have we got in the way of facts? Well, number one, Harvey Stone was shot in the forehead with a thirty-eight Smith & Wesson sometime between 11.30 and midnight.
2: Yeah. And even that fact got twisted around yesterday by Alvin Gentry when he made what he called a confession... He said he shot Stone in the chest with a Colt forty-five and threw the gun in the river. Yeah. You told
1: me you'd found out he was a friend of Helen's. His confession doesn't look good for her,
2: believe me. I know. But I can't seem to lose my hunch that she's innocent. Look, Johnny, I, I don't blame you for trying It's your job. What do
1: you mean? Harvey Stone was insured for 150000 bucks by the company you represent.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Okay, his father E.J. Stone and his young stepmother Daphne are the joint beneficiaries. Now, if one of them should turn out to
2: be the murderer, your company wouldn't have to pay off. Wait a minute, Joe, wait a minute. I think you know me well enough to figure I'd a lot rather see that company pay through the nose than convict an innocent person. Sure, but just about everything we've got points to Helen Barrett. Just about, but not quite. For instance? For instance, Harvey's father, E.J. Stone. He thought Harvey was running the business into the ground. He didn't like it. He also didn't like the fact that Harvey and his stepmother were pretty friendly. Yeah,
1: a man in a wheelchair is liable to resent a lot of things.
2: Yeah, well, that's just the point. E.J. can get out of his wheelchair when he wants to. I saw him out of it yesterday. Uh-huh. Sure. Then there's Daphne herself. She opposed the idea of Harvey marrying Helen. Said she wanted to protect the stone name. But that sounds pretty fishy coming from somebody who used to be a chorus girl herself. Did you ask her about that picture of her you spotted in Dutch Krieger's office? Yeah, she said that was all in the past. But I wonder, Dutch got kicked out of a business deal by Harvey. He wouldn't forget that, and he's a tough cookie. And there still could be a connection between him and Daphne. Here we go again. Could be. Okay, okay. So I guess what it all adds up to is just that I kind of got myself sold on Helen.
1: Sure, I've been sold on people, too. Sometimes it's ended up costing me. So now I just hold back and don't make up my mind one way or another.
2: All right.
1: it's turned out to be a pretty good idea, too. Why don't you try it, Johnny?
2: Expense account item 11, a double martini for me. Well, I thought over what Joe Ristelli had said. Sure, it was good advice not to get too sold on people, but it didn't help me much at the moment. I still couldn't believe Helen Barrett had killed Harvey Stone, but I had to admit that if she wasn't the killer, it left a lot of things unexplained. For one thing, Alvin Gentry's fake confession. it sure looked like he was trying to shield her. I checked and learned that he managed a supper club where Helen used to sing. I decided to have a talk with him. I found him at a corner table. Yeah, I'm Johnny Dollar. Gentry, we uh, we met in Lieutenant Rastelli's office. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you. What about? About the Harvey Stone killing. There's nothing to talk about. I don't agree. I think there is. I made my confession. You guys didn't believe me. Well, now, that's because you got a few of the things wrong, Gentry. What interests me now is not your confession, but the reason you made it. What do you mean? Well, you said Harvey Stone had been making a play for your girl, a hat check girl, wasn't it? You you said that's why you killed him. So? So, you said you didn't know Helen Barrett. I don't. But you're lying. Look, Dolly. We found out you're a friend of Helen's. You used to go with her, and you were waiting in her apartment the night of the murder when she left Harvey's and came home to pack. Well, how about it, Gentry? Okay, so I do know Helen, but she didn't kill Stone. How do you know? She couldn't have. She's not that kind. Oh, sure. You were waiting in her apartment that night. Why? I wanted to see her. What about? She used to sing here. She drew good crowds. I wanted her back. What kind of a mood was she in when she got to her apartment? What do you mean? Well, did she talk about Harvey Stone any? Did Did she seem mad or upset? I don't remember. Cut it out, Gentry. I want straight answers. Well, I guess I had a little argument. What about? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Helen didn't kill Stone. She was... She was with me. You mean for a few minutes at her apartment? I mean longer than a few minutes. She was with me at the time of the killing. <sighs> now look, Gentry. I know you're trying to help Helen, but believe me, this isn't helping her. First you make a phony confession, and now all of a sudden you're giving her an alibi. Uh, Sure, it was stupid of me to make that confession. You can say that again. But I realized later it wasn't necessary. I realized that Helen had been with me at the time of the killing. You're going to stick to that story? Sure I am. Under oath? Under oath. Perjury's a pretty serious thing, Gentry. Perjury's pretty hard to prove, Dollar. One thing seemed pretty clear. Alvin Gentry was apparently convinced that Helen had killed Harvey Stone. He was doing everything he could think of, even perjuring himself to shield her. And the more he scrambled, the worse he began to look for her. Then, too, there was the statement of Martha Winters, Harvey's secretary, that she'd seen Helen returning to his apartment at 11.30. That would put Helen back there during the time of the murder. I still wasn't completely convinced that Martha Winters was telling the truth, so I spent the rest of the afternoon checking on her to see what I could find out. And a couple of things I found out were pretty interesting... So interesting that I decided to try to run a little bluff on her.
3: Oh, Mr. Dollar. Hello, Martha.
2: I'd like to talk to you.
3: Well, I I was just on my way out. Well, this won't take long. All right. Please come in. Thanks. Well?
2: It's about that statement you made to Lieutenant Ristelli this morning.
3: Oh? Well, I really haven't anything more to add to it, Mr. Dollar. Look, I'm sorry, but I have an engagement. Yeah. Here.
2: You told us this morning that you and Harvey Stone used to go together. But you called it off and were just uh, friends after that.
3: Yes, that's right. Now, look, Mr. Dollar, But I...
2: that isn't the story I picked up at the office of the Stone Corporation a while ago, Martha. The
3: office? Now, what right of you to go snooping around that Sorry, office? Sorry, Martha,
2: but snooping's my business. And you know, you pick up a lot of interesting information that way.
3: Well, if you're going to listen to office gossip... For instance, gossip.
2: I found out it was Harvey who called off the deal with you. No. And you've been carrying a torch for him ever since. There have been a couple of nasty scenes about it.
3: That's a lie. It. Matter of
2: fact, once or twice, he'd almost made up his mind to can you, but each time he decided lies, not to... Lies, lies, all of it. Okay, okay. We'll let that go for a minute. Now, about your statement this morning.
3: Mr. Dollar, I haven't time to stand here and repeat what I've already said.
2: That's where you're wrong, Martha. You've got time to hear this. You'll take time.
3: Now what is it?
2: You said you saw Helen heading for Harvey's apartment at
3: 11.30. Yes, I did. Where were you at the time? Why, here.
2: In your apartment here? But your apartment's around the corner of the hall from Harvey's. Well, I... How could you have seen her from here? Well,
3: I, I didn't mean I was in my apartment. I, I was at the entrance just coming in. The front entrance, huh? Yes.
2: But Helen came in the side entrance. You couldn't have seen her from the front.
3: Well, she's lying. Anyway, I hadn't reached the front entrance yet. I, I was outside. Sorry,
2: Martha. The doorman and the cop on the beat both would have seen Helen. I did. You lied, you... didn't you? No. You didn't see her at all.
3: I. Well, it had to be Helen. She's the one who killed him. I know she did. You
2: lied, didn't you, Martha? If
3: it hadn't been for her. Yeah, if it
2: weren't for her, maybe you'd be Mrs. Harvey Stone, huh? I didn't
3: mean that. I'm. I meant Harvey'd still be alive. I, I just didn't want her to get away with you it. You lied,
2: Martha. You didn't see Helen at all.
3: <laughs> yes, I lied, Mr. Doherty. I lied.
2: Yeah, my bluff about the doorman, the cop on the beat, and Helen coming in the side entrance had paid off. Looking at Martha, I didn't exactly feel like giving three cheers about it. But one thing was clear, though. The Harvey Stone murder case had just busted wide open again. Johnny Dollar. Rastelli at homicide, Johnny. Glad you called, Joe. Got something new for you on the Harvey Stone murder case. Yeah, well, let's have it. Yesterday, Harvey's secretary, Martha Winters, told us she'd seen Helen Barrett approaching his apartment at just about the time he was murdered. Yeah? She just admitted to me that she lied. Oh? She wasn't in position to have seen anyone approaching the apartment at the time.
1: Well, that maybe opens things
2: up a little again. Yeah. I've got an item along that line, too, Johnny. What is it? Harvey's young stepmother, Daphne, up in Westchester County. Oh? What about her? I just found out she was here in the city the night of Harvey's murder. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Expense accounts submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Northeast Indemnity Associates, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the imperfect alibi matter. Location, New York City. Expense account concluded. Mm-hmm. Item thirteen three twenty: transportation to the Stone Estate in Westchester County to question Harvey's young stepmother, Daphne Stone. As a suspect in Harvey's killing, Daphne was very much alive again. Sit down, Johnny. Thanks. Nice out here.
4: Mm-hmm. Drink? No, thanks. How's the investigation going?
2: Well, that's what I came to talk about, Daphne. It uh, hasn't been going too well.
4: Oh? I was under the impression that an arrest had been made.
2: Helen Barrett's being held. Well, then... Helen Barrett could be the killer. A lot of things point in her direction. But there are a few that don't. What do you mean? Right from the start, you've been giving me incomplete answers or false answers... First you told me it was Harvey's father, E.J., who opposed his plans to marry Helen. Then I found out you were the one who was fighting it.
4: Look, I explained all that. It was because I didn't want you to get the wrong idea. Oh, but... yeah,
2: yeah, so you said. You told me you opposed it because you didn't think the stone name should go to a supper club singer like Helen. Yes. But you yourself used to be a chorus girl.
4: I explained that to you, too, Johnny.
2: Okay, so you opposed the marriage for the dignity of the family and not just to keep Harvey at home with you.
4: That's a vicious thing to say told you Harvey and I, being about the same age, were very good friends, true friends.
2: Is that what your husband thought?
4: You forget Harvey's father is confined to a wheelchair. Understandably, he might occasionally resent those who can be more active.
2: That's another thing you didn't tell me, Daphne, that E.J. could get out of his wheelchair on occasion. I caught a glimpse of him out of it the last time I was here.
4: Short periods only, and with considerable discomfort.
2: So you and Harvey were friends... Like you and that gambler, Dutch Krieger, huh?
4: Donnie, my patience is running out. I explained that Dutch was in the past. Completely in the past. Before my marriage.
2: But Dutch got kicked out of a business deal by Harvey. And he wouldn't like a thing like that.
4: Harvey acted perfectly properly. Really, Johnny.
2: I just one more thing,
4: Well, what is it?
2: One thing more you didn't tell me. That you were in the city the night Harvey was murdered there. Well...
4: I should have told you that, Johnny. I went into the city that evening because I knew Harvey was to have a meeting with Helen later that night. I wanted to talk to Harvey first. What about? I knew he was planning some definite action about her.
2: So you wanted to talk him out of marrying her?
4: If you want to put it like that, yes.
2: What time was that?
4: I saw him in his apartment about nine. I left before ten.
2: Can anybody verify those times? I don't know. I see. What was the outcome of your talk with Harvey?
4: He assured me he'd break off with Helen.
2: You sure about that?
4: Completely sure. I decided to stay at a hotel that night instead of coming back home. I suppose that's how the police knew I was in the city.
2: It's Helen's story that when she saw Harvey later, they decided to elope.
4: If I believed that. But I don't. I think she's lying.
2: And how about you, Daphne? Daphne? Have you given me the whole truth now?
4: Yes, Johnny. The whole truth. Everything I've done has been done solely to protect the family name. Everything.
2: Right then, I'd have given a lot to know just what that everything involved. Whether or not it also included some weird idea of killing Harvey to somehow protect the family name. Expense account, item 14, 320, transportation back to the city. I got permission from Joe Restelli to talk to Helen Barron. When they brought her into the interrogation room, she looked pale and tired.
5: Hello, Johnny.
2: Helen, several things I want to ask you about. Sit down. Sure. What? Martha Winters, for one.
5: Harvey's secretary? What about her?
2: Well, she made a statement that she'd seen you heading for Harvey's apartment around 11.30... That it put you inside there during the time of the murder?
5: No. No, I'm sure it was later than that. Almost 12 when I got back there.
2: Martha later admitted that she lied. But the question is, why? Still carrying the torch for Harvey?
5: Yes, I guess she was.
2: Next item is about Alvin Jeffrey.
5: Lieutenant Ristelli told me about that confession Alvin made.
2: He got all the details wrong. Caliber of the gun. Poor
5: Alvin. What do you mean? Well, he'd always made it clear how he felt about me. But I didn't think he'd go that far.
2: How do you feel about him?
5: I've always liked him very much. Used to go with him some, but I stopped when I started seeing Harvey.
2: Did you talk to Alvin Long at your apartment that night?
5: No, just a few minutes while I was packing.
2: You know, you just talked yourself out of an alibi. What do you mean? Well, after Gentry's confession didn't sell, he was willing to swear you were with him during the entire period the murder could have taken place. <sighs>
5: Johnny, why does an innocent person need an alibi?
2: It helps in court, believe me.
1: Well, how'd you make out with Daphne and Helen, Johnny?
2: Joe, remind me never to get involved with show people again. They make their living putting on an act, and I'm just country boy enough not to be able to tell a difference once in a while.
1: They both gave you nice, straight stories,
2: huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Real sincere. Looking right in the eye, both of them. But one of them was lying, huh? Daphne said Harvey told her he'd break off with Helen. But Helen says the two of them were planning to elope. Of
1: course, Harvey might have changed his mind after talking to Daphne.
2: Yeah, but that's something we're not going to be able to confirm now.
1: No. Johnny, it's a cinch Alvin Gentry's convinced that Helen's guilty. I think he's holding back something. Guy doesn't stick his neck out that far without a reason.
4: I know,
2: but I still don't dig her motive.
1: Well, suppose Daphne's telling the truth that Harvey broke up with Helen. Maybe she couldn't stand getting the brush off.
2: Yeah, could be all right. Yeah,
1: people can do some strange things under the name of love, Johnny, particularly when it turns to hate.
2: And that can happen awful fast. Expenses items fifteen and sixteen, a dollar forty cab to my hotel, and a dollar even for a pot of coffee in my room. One hour, three cups of coffee and half a dozen cigarettes later, I was still nowhere. I was beat. And then, a weird little idea began pecking away at me. A couple of things Ristelli had said suddenly started adding up to a pretty fantastic answer. Maybe it wouldn't stand the light of day, but it was night now and it was the only idea I could come up with. I decided to try it on for size. I went to the club Alvin Gentry managed... Oh, hello, Dollar. I was sort of hoping you'd be around again. Oh? Yeah, I want to talk to you, but not now. It's almost closing time. Uh, Stick around, will you? I waited at the bar while the customers left. Twenty minutes later, Gentry and I were alone. He slid onto a stool beside me. Drink? Uh, No, no thanks. Uh, What's on your mind, Gentry? Well, I've been thinking about what you said the last time we talked about uh, perjury. Oh? I decided you were right, Dollar. They make it pretty tough on you for perjury. Yeah, they do. I'm withdrawing my statement that Helen was with me at the time of the murder. Well, that's probably the smart thing to do, Gentry. Sure, what's the use? I'm getting tired of being a sucker in this deal, a fall guy. Oh? That goofed-up confession I made was bad enough. And I had to stick my neck out still further with that fake alibi for her. And for what? So you're withdrawing the statement, huh? Yeah. That's uh, probably what you came to see me about, huh? No. No, that isn't why I came to see you at all, Gentry. Hmm? And I wouldn't exactly call you a sucker. I think you're one of the smartest guys I've ever seen in a sort of weird and twisted kind of way. What are you talking about? You played this whole deal real cagey right from the start. Everything you did was supposed to look like a cover for Helen. But instead of that, you were really trying to put a noose around her neck. You're out of your mind, Dollar. And that confession you made, Gentry, that's why I came to see you. To tell you it wasn't goofed up at all. You did kill Harvey Stone. You know, you got a real weird sense of humor. Have I? A couple of things Lieutenant Rostelli said added up in my mind a few minutes ago. Love can turn to hate fast. And you'd have to have a good reason to do what you did. You wanted Helen bad. When she told you that night she was going to marry Harvey Stone, you couldn't stand the idea. If you couldn't have her, nobody could. You're talking crazy. You went to Harvey's apartment and killed him. Then you made that fake confession to look like you were shielding her. Actually, you were framing her. No. You knew we wouldn't believe you, and we wouldn't believe that alibi you offered for her. It all made her look more guilty by the moment. Dolly, you're forcing me to say something I didn't want to. Oh, what is it? Helen was mad at Harvey that night. I was worried. I followed her back to his apartment. When I got there, she was standing over the body with a gun in her hand. She said, why did I do it? She kept saying it over and over. That's why I made the fake confession to protect her. Sorry, Gentry. It's a little too late for that story now. I keep telling you that confession you made was legitimate. Are you crazy? I didn't even get the caliber of the gun right. Yes, you did. What are you talking about? We made a mistake. Harvey was killed with a 45 Colt, just like you said. You're crazy. It was a 38 Smith. Yeah. A 38 Smith and Wesson. I know that. So do the police. So does the killer. But nobody else. It was in the papers. No, Gentry. It wasn't in the papers. You're dead wrong, Dollar. He kicked a bar stool at me, and I dove behind the end of the bar. The lights went off. I had my gun out now, but I couldn't see anything in the dark. He couldn't get past me to the front door, but he could get out of the back. I had to locate him fast. Then my hand touched an ashtray at the end of the bar. I picked it up and tossed it toward the center of the room. I spotted the flash of his gun. Now I had him pegged. I found a lamp on one of the tables. Gentry was slumped in a corner. My shoulder. Help me. Don't worry, Gentry. You're not going to conk out. There's plenty left of you to stand trial. Final item on expense account $12.80. Transportation and incidentals back home. Total expenses $192.40. But arrived in response to my call and had Gentry carted away. Alan Barrett was released from custody. Remarks? Here I thought Dutch Krieger was the gambler in the case. But the little game of winner-take-all that Gentry'd been playing was just about the weirdest I'd ever heard of. I thought about him up there in the death house at Sing Sing and realized that the big trouble with that kind of gamble that he was taking is that the loser's seat can get awfully hot. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, one of the biggest, toughest, loudest characters I've ever met. A real two-fisted terror. And her name is Meg McCarthy. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written
1: by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Tony Barrett, Shirley Mitchell, Will Wright, Chet Stratton, Teddy Corsia, Barney Phillips, Lillian Baef,
2: and Harry Bartell. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
0: Come back. Uh, some solid reasoning in Johnny's conclusion. There are quite a few Johnny Dollar episodes, particularly during the late O'Brien and Lunn eras, where some off the wall unlikely suspect is guilty. And that can vary as to how effective that they are. But I think this one was actually quite effective. Though, in retrospect, Alvin Gentry may have been a little too obvious in trying to help. It also made effective use of the idea of catching the suspects in their words. There was this way in which Johnny was ratcheting up the pressure as he went uh, and just put the right amount on before giving the incorrect information information Uh, in order to get Gentry to tip his hand. And also, like a lot of mysteries, it was nice to have all of these other reasons that people were lying or being less than truthful with Johnny that had nothing to do with actually being guilty of the murder. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we're going to our listener survey now, And uh, we have quite a few comments uh, over there. Uh, We start with David in Exeter in the United Kingdom. He writes, I never miss an episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, one of my weekly listening highlights. And Bunny Mama in Omaha writes, Adam is a lovely host and I enjoy his comments and information at the beginning and end of each episode. Keep up the great work. Jim in New Jersey writes, I've been working my way through the podcast during my work commute for the last year, starting from the first podcast available. I love the variety of The Great Detectives. Another listener just simply writes, I love it. And Sam in uh, Fallon, Nevada writes, I like them all. And Johnny Dollar is one of the best. I have uh, listened uh, since I was young. And then another listener, no uh, name rights, uh, classic radio is the best great drama and involves great writing and acting. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time to fill out our survey at survey.greatdetectives.net and leave your comments. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Lauren. Lauren has been one of our Patreon supporters since September 2021. Currently supporting the podcast at the master detective level of $15 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Lauren. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you're downloading it from. We will be back next Tuesday, the start of another yours truly Johnny Dollar serial, but join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where Lieutenant,
1: Friday, down this way. Hi Burton Hi. The photographer's covering the body position. Peterson's dusting for French. Fred, shoot a couple of overheads. Don't make them all angle shots. Get up high, then move in close
4: yeah, Chief was right. Room's in pretty good order. Did you talk to anybody, Burton?
1: Landlady. Lives upstairs. Only two people living in the building. Mm-hmm. Did she tell you anything? Said the Barkley girl paid her rent on time. Good tenant. Plays the organ at the Blue Fox. Cocktail line. Mm. Any idea how the murderer got in here? Not yet. Every door and window in the place is locked. Anything else? That's it so far. We'll give you 15.7 on what we got. Okay, Lloyd. You and Anderson have another detail? Yeah, working on that Westwood thing. Two uniform men outside if you want anything. Right, thanks. Looks like a tough one, Joe. Whoever did it must have come in through the keyhole.
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.